This is a podcast about a girl who loves Jesus, belongs to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and is doing her best to make the world cuter. That's me. Join me as I talk to others about the gospel, their testimonies, and how they are implementing the curriculum of Come Follow Me in their individual lives and in their homes. This is Making the World Cuter, and I'm your host, Tiffany Hewlett. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, this is Tiffany. I am back. It's been a while since I've been on here, but I've been doing a lot of reflecting and a lot of wrestling with what I needed to do to go forward with this podcast. So about two years ago, I had a prompting as I was praying about which direction I should go with my blog. I was in the middle of a rebranding and every decision I made seemed not like a good fit. And so I tried a couple different things out and nothing just really was working out. So I kept on getting this feeling that I needed to focus more on LDS printables. And I kind of shared that idea with a few people and got looks of, uh, are you sure you want to do that? That's not really the way that you've been going this whole time. You've been kind of doing crafty things or, you know, holiday things or parties, organizing a little bit, recipes. Is that really the way you want to go? And I kept on feeling the prompting that, yes, that is the way I want to go. But instead, I listened to those people and thought, oh, maybe I don't want to do that. So I went the way that was a safer route in my mind. I just felt like, oh, you know, doing holiday printables is fun and it's cute and I do enjoy it. I really do love it. But I did feel like I was ignoring that prompting. And so I kind of told myself and the Lord that, hey, I'll I'll do it. I will. I'll get to it and I will add some on there here and there. And, you know, then it's good for everybody. So, um, November of last year, I was talking about the Come Follow Me new curriculum that we were going to do, and I got a super strong prompting again that I needed to focus more on church stuff on my blog. And I thought, oh, no, I've already rebranded. I've already done all of this stuff. But, you know, I can add a come follow me something to the blog. That's fine. I've got plenty of readers that, you know, would enjoy something like that. And I know we were all kind of trying to figure out what we were going to do with the come follow me curriculum. So I started working on it. And as soon, and I'm not even kidding, as soon as I opened Photoshop that day and started pulling some things together, it came so fast. Everything just came together. And I knew it wasn't even me that was doing it. Again, (laughs) I knew that that's what I was supposed to be doing. And so then I, you know, kind of made another little bargain with the Lord. And I said, okay, so as soon as I get my site all up, and as soon as I get, you know, looking the way I want it to, and as soon as I get my site structure done and my email sequence done and just different things like that, then I'll start focusing on it. And so... I started doing that and it was fine. Everything was going good. And, you know, the Come Follow Me journal, a lot of people purchased it, loved it, are using it. It's so fun and we use it and it was definitely inspired. 
it's just a journal um, with headings and you can kind of do whatever you want with it. But a lot of people have found it really helpful to just kind of stay focused and, and do the Come Follow Me program at home. So this last weekend, it's Tuesday right now. So it was Friday, maybe, maybe Thursday, Thursday or Friday. I was driving home from school, taking the kids to school. And I kind of just had this thought about the podcast. And I thought, I really need to figure out what I'm doing with that. Because I thought I had this great idea to interview people that were making the world cuter. And it was fun, and there's some fun interviews. If you guys want to go back and listen to those, they're actually really fun. And there's some really cute, awesome women that I interviewed, and it was really a fun little thing that I did for a minute. <laughs> um, but it just didn't feel right, and so I decided to pray as I was driving home, and just kind of started talking out loud, just asking asking what I should do. Is there a direction that I needed to go with that? Should I stick with the the program, oh, I kind of got just rebuked, just saying, you know what to do. I have been telling you what to do. I've been telling you, you need to focus more on the church. You need to share my gospel. And you guys, I'm a, I was a little scared of that. I was a little scared of that because I am not one to even get up and bear my testimony in church. Uh, I talk in sacrament every once in a while, but I talk really fast and I read my talks. I love giving lessons to the youth. I think that's fun. And that's about where my comfort zone is in sharing my testimony with, you know, like the teenagers, the young um, primary kids, the older primary kids, actually. But just those, you know, 12 to 16 year old kids that's my comfort zone. So this is to me was scary. And I thought, no, I don't know if I can do that. But this whole last weekend has been such a spiritually uplifting talk and wrestle and humbling experience that I know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So with that said, about five minutes into me rambling about why I'm here. <laughs> I am actually going to share a talk that I gave in sacrament back in January. So this was um, towards the end of January. I was asked to give a talk on conversion, and it is based on Elder David A. Bednar, which, by the way, you know, you we all have our favorites of the apostles, and I didn't know that he was mine until we started doing this Come Follow Me program because I feel like there was there is a lot of talks referenced and every talk he gives is so good and exactly what I need to hear, I feel like. So he might be my new favorite and I am looking so forward to conference here in a couple weeks to hear of the new changes and the counsel and just the love of the Savior that I know will come from that. Um... I have so many side tangents that I want to go on right now, and so I am going to try not to. But I do need to say one little thing. Over this last year and a half, two years since that first prompting, I feel like I have had people placed in my life, podcasts placed in my life, um, just different things that have helped me grow closer to the Savior, 
than I have ever felt before. I have learned that I do, in fact, have a testimony of the Savior, which I kind of had this thought in my head for whatever reason. Well, obviously, Satan telling me that, yeah, you have a strong testimony of the church, but not of, not of your Savior, not of Jesus. You don't even really know who he is. And so I kind of had that in the back of my head. And I um, realized this year, after listening to Jody Moore, if you guys know um, of her podcast, Better Than Happy, fantastic, that that thought was not serving me. It was not serving me in any way. So as soon as I realized that that was just a thought and I dismissed it, I realized that I have such a testimony of Jesus Christ and I know that he is my savior. And I have always had a strong testimony of him. I just didn't know because I was getting in my own way. So if there are any thoughts or doubts in your mind that are not serving you, let them go because there's, it's just you. It's just your thought. And it's just Satan telling you that that thought is true. You know it's true. So that little tangent I felt like needed to be said, but I am going to read you. Like I said, I read my talks. I don't have them memorized. I don't go from the hip too often, as you could probably tell from my little tangent this morning that I probably shouldn't go off on my own. I need to write things down. But like I said, this talk was based on, and you can go back and read it, and there you'll see that a lot of it is taken from it, but David A. Bednar of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, he gave this talk back in October 2012 in the General Conference, and it is called Converted Unto the Lord. So, if you look in the Enzyme, um, or on, and I'm sorry about the ums, but if you look in the Enzyme under the title of the talk, they have a little quote there, right? And the quote that they put under the title is just, it's fantastic. But it says, knowing that the gospel is true is the essence of a testimony. Consistently being true to the gospel is the essence of conversion. So here we go. I'm going to read it from here on out. I want to begin where he ends and then go back through some of his points. He ends with a possible interpretation of the parable of the ten virgins. He compares the lamps that the virgins carried as their testimonies, while the oil that only half carried to be their conversion. Quote, but the wise took oil of conversion in their vessels with their lamps of testimony. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps of testimony. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, even the oil of conversion, for our lamps of testimony are weak and are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. A story can be found in Matthew 25, 4 through 9. Were the five wise virgins selfish and unwilling to share, or were they indicating correctly that the oil of conversion cannot be borrowed? Can the spiritual strength that results from consistent obedience to the commandments be given to another person? Can the knowledge obtained through diligent study and pondering of the scriptures be conveyed to one who is in need? 
Can the peace the gospel brings to a faithful Latter-day Saint be transferred to an individual experience adversity or great challenge? The clear answer to each of these questions is no. As the wise virgins emphasize properly, each of us must buy for ourselves. These inspired women were not describing a business transaction. Rather, they were emphasizing our individual responsibility to keep our lamp of testimony burning and to obtain an ample supply of the oil of conversion. This precious oil is acquired one drop at a time, line upon line and precept upon precept, patiently and persistently. No shortcut is available. No last-minute flurry of preparation is possible. End quote. So we see that there is a clear distinction between having a testimony and being converted to the Lord. We typically talk about them separately, but if we think about them together and how they relate to one another, we can gain what Elder Bednar calls precious perspective and greater spiritual conviction. A testimony is a personal knowledge of spiritual truth obtained by revelation. It is a gift from God and is available to all of His children. In Alma 32:37, it says, But behold, if ye will awake and arouse your faculties, even to an experiment upon my words, and exercise a particle of faith, yea, even if ye can no more than desire to believe, let this desire work in you, even until ye believe in a manner that ye can give place for a portion of my words. Growing up a member of the church, as a child, I thought of conversion stories belonging to the to only those who th that were converts. I grew up in Utah, and I'm pretty sure in the most LDS neighborhood in the world. I literally didn't know anyone who wasn't a member. In my little brain, I was the biggest outsider there was. My dad was not active, my family was not still together, and we only had four kids in our family. Our fast and testimony meetings consisted of 45 children named after Book of Mormon heroes saying they knew the church was true and that they were thankful for their primary teachers. I was baptized when I was eight. I had heard everyone tell me that the church was true and learned all the basics and I followed with childlike faith and never doubted that it was true because literally everyone else around me believed the exact same things. I clearly remember being a young beehive and hearing a conversion story from one of my young women's leaders. She heard the missionaries bear testimony, read the Book of Mormon, found out for herself that it was true, and decided to be baptized all on her own. I remember having the thought, I wish I could be a convert so I could have that kind of testimony. Fast forward a few years to me being a 16-year-old, boy-crazy, self-involved teenager and coming home from a lesson from that same young woman's leader who again shared her testimony of the Book of Mormon. Once again, that thought came to me that I wanted that kind of testimony. Later that week, I was alone at home and it was quiet. I took my dusty scriptures off my bookshelf and went out to the living room. I opened to 1 Nephi. I didn't pray first. I hadn't even ever read the whole Book of Mormon at that point in my life. But as I sat there in the quiet, I again just wished that I could have that kind of testimony. I started reading and did not get further than halfway through the first verse when, I, when a voice interrupted me as if someone was sitting next to me on the couch wanting my attention. And all it said was, These people really lived. Nothing more. I was not at a place in my life where I was reading the scriptures or even thinking about the church outside of those three hours a week that I went for no other purpose than to see my friends. 
And yet Heavenly Father took the time to give me that small but oh-so-significant testimony that these people were real, their stories were true. By that small truth, the seed of testimony was planted in my heart. It was my own and not something I borrowed from others. The majority of us have had some kind of experience that we can build testimony from, whether it's hearing a voice or feeling the comfort and testifying from the Holy Ghost. It could be a small experience or one that shook your whole life up. If you have not had an experience, as Elder Bednar says, a testimony is available to all. To obtain a testimony, it involves asking with a sincere heart and faith. You can gain a testimony that Heavenly Father lives and loves us that Jesus Christ is the Savior, and that the fullness of the gospel has been restored in these latter days. But here's the thing. Testimony is not enough. It is only the beginning, a kicking-off point of sorts. Elder Bednar says, Testimony alone is not and will not be enough to protect us in the latter-day storm of darkness and evil in which we are living. Testimony is important and necessary, but not sufficient to provide the spiritual strength and perfection I'm sorry, protection we need. Some members of the church with testimonies have wavered and fallen away. Their spiritual knowledge and commitment did not measure up to the challenges that they faced. I'm going to repeat that quote in the middle because I feel like it is so powerful. Testimony is important and necessary, but not sufficient to provide the spiritual strength and protection we need. We also need conversion. In Matthew 16, 15-17, Jesus asks his disciples, Whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. That is a testimony. He had a personal knowledge obtained by revelation. At the Last Supper, Peter, the very same disciple that we just found had such a strong testimony, was spoken to by the Savior, and he said in Luke twenty-two thirty-one through 32 Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren." So this same disciple that has walked with Christ, witnessed miracles, and has a strong knowledge and testimony of the Savior's divine mission and role, still needed to be more converted unto the Lord so that he could help strengthen others. Conversion is a change in our very nature and is only made possible through the Savior's atonement. Becoming converted to Christ is a conscious decision, though through offering up a broken heart and a contrite spirit, as it says in 3 Nephi 9.20. Here is where we can gain that precious perspective and greater spiritual conviction in studying testimony and conversion together that Elder Bender spoke of. Conversion is deepening that foundation of our testimony by individual repentance, obedience, and diligence. As we honor ordinances and covenants and press forward with the steadfastness in Christ, enduring in faith to the end, we become new creatures in Christ. Conversion is an offering of our self, love, and loyalty to God as a gratitude for the gift of testimony. The Book of Mormon is filled with inspiring accounts of conversion. I took President Nelson's challenge to read the Book of Mormon in those short three months at the end of the year. My testimony of the truthfulness of that book increased a hundred times reading it in big chunks like that. 
again, that testimony that these people really lived was manifested to me, and it had me aching to the point of sobbing for their losses, cheering on their victories, and feeling immense gratitude for their faithfulness in writing down their precious stories of conversion for us today to find truth and joy in. I love King Benjamin's whole sermon and that he had them take his teachings back to their homes. How can we relate that to what we're doing now with the Come Follow Me curriculum as we bring that into our homes? The conversion of these people, though, is something that gets me every time I read Mosiah 5.2. And they all cried with one voice, saying, Yay! We believe all the words which thou hast spoken unto us, and also we know of their surety and truth because of the Spirit of the Lord Omnipotent, which has wrought a mighty change in us, or in our hearts, that we have no more disposition to do evil, but to do good continually. They accepted the words, they gained a testimony of the truthfulness, and then they exercised faith in Christ to have that mighty change in their hearts, with not just a desire to be better, but a firm determination to do no more evil and to be good continually. How amazing is that? Don't we all want that mighty change that we don't even desire to sin? In Helaman 15, the Lord is chastising the Nephites for not being as converted as the Lamanites that had been converted. He loved the Nephites. He blessed them continually and showed them all the miracles, and yet they dwindle in unbelief because they are not truly converted. But those Lamanites, they heard truth and they obeyed completely. In verse 6 it says, They are striving with unwearied diligence, that they may bring the remainder of their brethren to the knowledge of the truth. Unwearied diligence. How good is that? I love the scriptures. They are just so, so good. They buried their weapons of war because they don't want to sin, because of their love of Christ. That is the kind of conversion I would love to strive for, where I am so afraid of sin and offending my Savior that I would rather die than commit it. In Omni Amalekai, in Omni Amalekai, who is a descendant of Jacob, which if you haven't studied Jacob lately, please go do it. I seriously cannot get over how good it is. And it's written for our time. I love it. Anyway, Amalekai, in verse 26 of Omni says, And now, my beloved brethren, I would that ye should come unto Christ, who is the Holy One of Israel, and partake of his salvation and the power of his redemption. Yea, come unto him and offer your whole souls as an offering unto him, and continue in fasting and praying and endure to the end. And as the Lord liveth, ye will be saved. He tells us to come unto Christ. Offer our whole souls, endure to the end, and we will be saved. These examples show us that testimony alone is not enough. We need to have a mighty change, a desire to do good continually, walk with unwearied diligence, and offer up our whole souls unto Him. If we are doing this, we are obviously going to be deeply devoted, and we will be truly converted. Samuel the Lamanite tells us the pattern on how to become converted unto the Lord. In Helaman 15, 7-8, First, we need to believe in the teachings and prophecies of the holy prophets as they are recorded in the scriptures, which means we need to read and study them. Second, we need to exercise faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Third, we need to repent. 
Fourth, while using the atonement, we need to experience a mighty change of heart. And fifth, we need to become firm and steadfast in the faith. Most of us will not have a one-time dramatic experience where we will instantly be converted, and most of us don't even want that. I know I don't want that. I am grateful that conversion is an ongoing process that I can gain line upon line, precept upon precept. The more we align our motives, our thoughts, our words, our actions with those of God, we will become more fully converted to the Lord. If I've learned one thing in my conversion, along with everything else in our lives that we want to gain, it requires persistence and patience. I think that's why this new home-based church-supported program is so amazing. It challenges, challenges us to take our learning and discussing beyond the walls of the church building. Our family has been taking a little section of the individual learning each day and then coming together at night to discuss as a family what we have learned on our own before scripture reading and family prayer. How powerful it has been to actually discuss these teachings and revelations we've had in these few short weeks. How amazing it is to have my little eight-year-old come up with his own feelings and thoughts about the Savior and his mission. What a sweet, tender mercy it is to has been to see my husband really embrace this program wholeheartedly and lead our family each night in discussion with insight only someone with his knowledge and testimony can bring. It has been such a strong spiritual feeling in my home each evening as my two teenagers and 10-year-old can put aside their homework and outside lives and share their favorite parts of the scriptures with the family with their perspective on how it applies to their lives today. It's honestly a miracle in my life that I didn't know I needed. As we've talked in our home each night and I've done my own study, I am able to add more drops of oil to my tiny little lamp that is getting bigger each week. The more we talk about the gospel at home, the more I find myself talking about it with my friends, outside of the home and through my business on my website and through social media. I feel like I just want to talk about the scriptures and rejoice in my Savior all day. The more we study as a family and feel that sweet spirit in my home, the more I just want to stay and learn more, talk more, and grow more. My testimony of the importance of this program cannot be shaken. If anyone feels overwhelmed by this, just stop it. That's what Satan wants. He wants us to feel like it's confusing. It is simple. The gospel is simple, and it is true. Everything is laid out for us. We just have to open our hearts to it. By studying the scriptures in the Savior's life, day by day, we will strengthen our testimonies of Him to the point where we will see that mighty change of heart. In Alma 23, 6-8, there is a lesson about the connection between testimony and conversion in the mis- missionary efforts by the sons of Mosiah, and it reads, And as sure as the Lord liveth, so sure as many as believed, or as many as were brought to the knowledge of the truth, through the preaching of Ammon and his brethren, according to the spirit of revelation and of prophecy, and the power of God working miracles in them, yea, as the Lord liveth, as many of the Lamanites as believed in their preaching and were converted unto the Lord, never did fall away." For they became a righteous people. They did lay down their weapons of their rebellion that they did not fight against God anymore. Now these are they who are converted unto the Lord. So they had the knowledge of the truth, in other words, a testimony, and they were converted unto the Lord. They had that powerful combination of both that help of both that helped them to be steadfast and never fall away. Who were they converted to? They were not converted to the missionaries who taught them 
or to the excellent youth programs of the church. They were not converted to the three-hour block or the two-hour block. They were not converted to Relief Society activities or the Elders Quorum Turkey Shoot. They were not converted to the culture or the traditions of their fathers. They were converted unto the Lord, to Him, as the Savior, and to His divinity and doctrine, and they never did fall away Another thing I noticed in this scripture and then realized that Elder Bednar also pointed out was the phrasing of, they did lay down their weapons of their rebellion, that they did not fight against God anymore. At first reading, I just assumed it said weapons of war. But then I saw the fighting against God, and, it's, and I realized it said weapons of rebellions. Rebellion. Elder Bednar says, end quote, to set aside cherished weapons of rebellion, such as selfishness, pride, and disobedience, requires more than merely believing and knowing. Conviction, humility, repentance, and submissiveness precede the abandonment, abandonment of our weapons of rebellion. Do you and I still possess weapons of rebellion that keep us from being, becoming converted unto the Lord? If so, then we need to repent now. Yikes! Do we hold on to our cherished weapons of rebellion? We all have our favorite sins, right? To have it put out there so plainly like that, that we are holding on to weapons of rebellion to fight against God. And that is what is keeping us from being converted to the Lord. Yikes again, when Elder Bender says, we need to repent now. So back to the parable of the ten virgins. We are all here where we either have a testimony, we are gaining a testimony, or we have lost a testimony. We have either been fully converted, we are becoming converted drop by drop, or we are fighting against God with our weapons of rebellion. Where will we be when the Savior comes again? There will be no last-minute flurry of preparation. The Lord can and will give you a testimony if you want one but no one can gift you conversion. D&C 33.17 Wherefore, be faithful, praying always, having your lamps trimmed and burning, and oil with you, that you may be ready at the coming of the bridegroom. I want to end by sharing my testimony that I know that the gospel is true. It is so, so true. I know that the Book of Mormon is full of real-life events that testify of Christ. I know that the Savior loves us and that He wants us to be converted for our happiness and joy. I know that Joseph Smith was a prophet and that Russell M. Nelson is a prophet today. I know that my Heavenly Father loves me. I have felt it. He's told me. And He has shown me in too many ways to count. I want to end with the quote I started with and rephrase it a bit. Having a testimony is knowing that the gospel is true. Being converted is consistently being true to the gospel. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know the direction that Heavenly Father wants me to go with this podcast, and I know that He gives us a push and then tells us to kind of figure it out, right? So I knew that I needed to share that for someone, maybe just so that I could read it again, so that I could remember that having a testimony is not enough. We need to be converted. We need to be consistently true. We need to put down our weapons of rebellion.
Like I said, I don't know where this podcast is going to go, but I knew that the Lord just told me to start. Start somewhere, and this is where I started with. So that's what I'm asking you to do, is just start from here. Call on the Savior. Ask Him for your testimony. Ask for the things that you are in need of, and use the atonement. It is there for us. It is the greatest gift that we have been given. Everyone have a good week, and I'll talk to you soon.